and welcome to How to Adult with Joy, a podcast about adulting and the different milestones that we might go through to becoming an adult and all the challenges that comes. Thank you for joining and please remember to subscribe and follow this podcast. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a good Tuesday. Um, yeah, I got the days mixed up. I forgot, I thought today was Wednesday for some reason and I thought the 15th of November was a, was a, like a, wait, so 15th of November is Wednesday, um, but today is only the 14th, so, um, yeah, I don't know, I've got all my days wrong because I had a day off yesterday. Um, so I probably talked a little bit about the colonoscopy and the bleeding last week, I think, um, so yeah, the bleeding came back, uh, and it came back on, I think, Sunday. So I was actually working, um, had a lot of stomach aches throughout the day. And then when I went, when I went home, um, yeah, I just had like a really bad stomach ache, like, uh, just like really bad cramps, like a really bad period. Well, the thing is, I don't, I'm not supposed to have a period. So... Anyway, I tried to sleep, so I slept until like 2 a.m. And then I woke up and the pain was just really, really bad. And I just could not fall asleep. Opened my bowels twice. Uh, the first time there was like a lot of blood in the toilet bowl. There was clots. And I was like, oh no, I'm bleeding again. Like my stomach's just bleeding. <laughs> like, um... And yeah, I know there's a difference between like hemorrhoid blood, which is bright red. It's different to your stomach blood, which is like a darker red. So upper GI bleeds would be like a really black. So black and you have like black stools. Because I had that on last when I just had the colonoscopy. So now I know like the bleeding is not from like upper GI tract. It's more like probably the lower GI tract. But anyway, I, I was just like a bit concerned and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll take some meds. I mean, having a lot of Panadol, I've been avoiding Nurofen because like, it is true that it can, it's not helpful if you are bleeding and it's not helpful if you've got gastritis um, in your stomach already. So it can be irritable to, irritating to the stomach, especially if you're not eating and it was like 2am. So Anyway, I haven't been taking the Nurofen um, just because I'm worried about my stomach. So I just took a some Buscapan, which is just for cramps. I took some Panadol and I was like, okay, I'm going to try to sleep. I could not sleep. Like the pain was so bad. It kept me up. And I just kept thinking about like, when would my mom go to the hospital? Like at nighttime when the pain from her eye like keeps her up, she goes to the hospital. And I was just thinking like, like, do I need to go to the hospital? Like, I do feel like I'm bleeding because my cramps are so bad. But I'm like, do I really want to go to the hospital? It's like Monday and like, I got work in a couple of hours. I should sleep, but I could not fall asleep. So I, I tried from all the way to 2 a.m. to um, when I finally left to go to ED, it was three hours later at five and I could not sleep. Like, I just called the Uber I went there. Do you know, like, um, <laughs> what I found out was that if you book an Uber during peak hour, like, it, 
increases the price of the Uber by like five times. Like I was like, holy shit. Um, so from my house to my nearest hospital, it's only like a five minute drive about traffic. So like 5am, it only took five minutes. But um, I think if, if you booked it after 5am, like it went up to like $50. So it was like $10, sorry. So it cost me $10 for a uh, five minute drive. But if I booked it any later, it would cost 50. So I was like, I better go now, like before the Uber becomes $50. And plus I was like, who else is gonna go to the emergency department at like 5 a.m.? Um, apparently a lot of people. So a lot of people, including a lot of Asians, were sitting in the in the waiting room. <laughs> I was like, why is there so many Asians? And like, I hope they don't ask me to translate, because like lol, I'm dead tired. And lol, like they're speaking Mandarin. I don't speak Mandarin that well. Um, yeah, so like the people in my room, in my, in the waiting room, there was like this Asian guy that had his stomach, like he was, cr- I don't know what's wrong with him, but he was like clutching his stomach. I know he went for a CT scan. Like I feel like there is no privacy in emergency. Like they shout out your name. They talk out loud about your condition. You can hear everything. Like the rooms don't have doors. They have like curtains and like whenever someone's having like an examination you can hear the screaming you can hear what they say I was like there is literally no privacy in this hospital like um and yeah I do hope that they closed the curtains when they like did my PR exam which I will talk about later uh I was just in general a lot of like uncomfortableness like this is oh back to the old hospital that I used to work at I mean at least I'm not a staff member there anymore but I think in the file, it just still say that I was a staff member because they thought I was a nurse there. Um, they didn't see me any faster, by the way. Just just putting it out there. Um, so, yeah, it was like, so, yeah, there was that there was the Asian guy with his stomach and then there he was, like, partner or whatever. He was on the phone the whole freaking time. Um, and then her phone just kept ringing and I was like, what the fuck? Um, and yeah, he had like an IV drip like attached to him and he was like fucking snoring <laughs> like on the chairs. But yeah, well, like he doesn't have a room. So yeah, I don't know what was happening with ED, but there was no beds. Um, so literally I didn't, I was there from like 5am to 10.30. So like 5.5 hours and they did like almost nothing for me. So um, they did leave me with a huge bruise on my arm from where they took bloods and it really, really hurt. So my experience in ED, I mean, it's not the first time I've been in ED. Like, I have been there before. Um, Yeah, I got to bed once or twice um, where I had drips for my migraines and for my dehydration. And yeah, so this time I didn't actually get a bed. So um, they literally just took me in a room every time they needed to do something. But then I had to keep waiting in the waiting room. So it was a long, long time. And because I've been to ED so many times, I know that you have to wait for a really, really long time. I bought a book to read. I bought my drink bottle. I bought my charger. But like surprisingly, they have now um, a phone charging station at the um, waiting room. I don't think they had that before. Um, Yeah, I bought snacks, but I didn't eat anything because I know like with my stomach issues, sometimes you need to fast for the procedure. So I just bought it as a backup, I guess. And I bought some jelly because I had heaps left over from when I was doing my fasting for my colonoscopy. Um, yes, yeah, so I bought that phone. Um, 
had a jacket. I was, yeah, prepared, trying to be prepared because I know you have to wait a fucking long time in emergency. Um, because obviously, like, I'm not dying, so they're not going to, like, prioritize me or anything. Um, so, anyway, I was just, yeah, telling them, like... So when you go to like triage for the nurse, you got you got to make it sound really bad, and I, I'm always too honest, and I always downplay, you know what's happening. Um, yeah, so I know I'm getting stomach bleeding, and I just want to get investigated because it's been freaking nine days since my colonoscopy and polypectomy or whatever, where they remove your polyps on your colon. Um, so I I felt like it had healed up, so like it had been a while since I had stomach bleeding and the stomach pain. I think the only thing that had changed since. Um, I think it was healing, but then I did go back to play badminton on Saturday and I thought I would be okay. It had been like a week since my procedure, but it was probably too early because like I did try to do like some um, ab workouts. <laughs> um, I think I'll put it down to my self-diagnosed body dysmorphia, but like I feel like because I'm not exercising, um, going from someone that exercises three times a week someone that doesn't exercise at all I just felt really really like yeah fat um it has actually been longer than the one week though it has been like I reckon about a month I'll say because I went to Warnable on the 20th of October so no less like less than a month but almost a month since I've played badminton um so the reason why I was resting is because I had injured my rotator cuff on my shoulder so I had been taking a break from badminton and I feel like because mental health I feel like personally for me is really linked to exercise because I haven't been exercising for four weeks I feel like my mental health has just gone to the shit because like I feel like I can barely control my emotions and I I know that I felt like this towards March at the at the start of March when I changed rotation I was just so burnt out um, and then there was just so much going on like I wasn't very well supported when I started my new at my new hospital like they throw you into the fucking deep end and they don't give you anything to hold on to no ropes no um, what do you call it uh, like inflatable rings it was just like here you can sink or you can swim and I was sinking and I was fucking stressed and then they don't care and they give you more students and I feel like it's happening again where like I'm pretty stressed and like my stomach pain gets worse because of that um so yeah what's going on now is that at work I feel like it's just overwhelming like I have failed my um, therapeutic drug monitoring thing like five times. It's a quiz that you have to do every year apparently to get recredentialed. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, it's really, really cold, but I'm trying to save money by not turning on my heater. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So like every year, I've only been in this job for like over like one year and two months and so apparently every year you have to do this fucking quiz to be recredentialed um, so that you can monitor drugs safely. Um, but the catch is every so every single clinical pharmacist has to do this stupid recredentialing. But 
not everyone uses it. So for these um, therapeutic drug monitoring, like it's a lot of it's seen probably in like emergency, ICU, um, surgical wards, but I don't do any of those wards. And I have been in psychiatry where they don't even have IV cannula access. And now I'm in rehab and like we don't even, if our patients are that sick and they need those like strong antibiotics that need monitoring, they get sent off to the main hospital. We are freaking rehab. So since I've started this job, I've never had to use it. And hence, I've kind of forgotten how to do it. And like, I knew how to do it in my old workplace, but I have not done it for a very long time. And even though I did do it in my old workplace, like it's not that common. And um, so what you don't use, like you don't really like, maintain it but my workplace is just very very specific about what you need to do and but it, it is specific but at the same time I kept getting the questions wrong because it also included a lot of subjectiveness in my opinion of whoever made the quizzes like what they felt was the best right right answer but it's so gray and I just don't understand why you need to be credential to do this because like if I felt like I wasn't able to do it I would still ask someone else anyway um so I'm not credentialed at the moment and I, I I don't really mind because I'm still in this same position probably until March unless they move me but like I've never had to use it so I don't know and they force you to do it the other thing that's like I feel more useful is like warfarin which is like a drug that you um, used to make sure that you don't you know bleep, uh, get clots and shit and and they, I've done a lot of those but I'm not credentialed and that's not mandatory so I'm just like the thing that is actually useful to be you know, credentialed I'm not credentialed in but the thing that's useless they make you do it and I haven't used it at all and that's just one of the gripes and so the thing is that they because I've failed so many times they were like telling me like, oh, the GenMed pharmacist will tell you when there's a new actual patient and then you can help them dose. I mean, it sounds great in theory, but like I am not just sitting around doing nothing all day. I have a lot of shit to do for my ward. And then they always message me at the worst times when it's like super busy. And then they expect you to answer like straight away. And I'm just like, ugh. And one person messaged me five minutes before I was about to go. And I was like, I don't have time for this shit. I mean, yeah, I appreciate them reaching out, but it's my home time. And I have a lot of things to do for my ward. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I complain a lot, but that's just how I feel. Like, there's a lot of things that you have to do. And that's not it. That's only half of it. So I've been going to this weekly training thing. Um... And I have to go to a different hospital every Wednesday for like seven or eight weeks. And yeah, you got to prep stuff at home. You got to do quizzes and shit. And then uh, just like, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a teach, someone called teaching on the run. And it's t telling you, teaching you how to teach students. And I'm just really fucking scared of students now. Because I had a really bad student um, a couple of months ago. And it just really scarred me. And I really don't want any more students and I'm getting another student next week, like, F me, like, what, like, why is it always me, like, I just want, like, this, like, the senior pharmacists, they don't get the students, but it's like, I'm not junior, but I'm just a normal pharmacist, but I get all the students, and I just, 
I'm just so tired. I'm so fucking tired. Like, there's already so much to do at my work. And then you hand me another student to follow me the whole time while I'm working and I have to explain everything that I'm doing to them. Um, and then suddenly, like, the, uh, like, a memory reminds uh, something. It reminds me of, like, uh, when someone told me there was a pharmacist back in South Australia that apparently when someone was, like, here, have a st- the students following you, he's like, no, nah, I'm not taking them, I'm too busy. And I was, like, thinking, like, that sounds weird, that sounds arrogant, like, how could you reject a student? But it's so true, like, we are so fucking busy, like, we don't have the time or the resources to have a student, like, there's no one else to support us, to do our work. And, yeah, and then apparently I'm also covering, like, someone else this Friday, like, someone else is away and I'm going to be covering their ward on top of mine. So there's just a lot of fucking things going on, the student, and I've got a presentation next month as well. So all of these things, like, I have to do it at home. Like, there is no way that I'll have time to do it at work. Um, like, every two minutes, someone's asking for something or needing something from me. And it's just, like, this never-ending chaos. And I just feel like I can't rest. And even now, like... I wanted to record this podcast, but I'm sitting in front of my laptop uh, trying to work on my presentation, but like remembering that I needed a post today, like this is my debrief. And I, uh, I was just saying like, this is probably why I have gastritis and why I've got these stomach issues, these stomach bleeds. I don't know if I've got cancer in that polyp, but those um, doctors in the emergency was like, well, you should just follow up with your GP and your gastroenterologist. Well, why the fuck did you think I came to ED, like, for you to tell me that? Like, so all they did for me was try to do a history, and I read that, and it was really shit. They just said I was confused. I was not confused. I don't understand how people, when they ask you, how much volume of blood did you have in your stools? Like, do you think I fucking, like, put it in a cup and measured it? like are you are you for real like who the fuck measures their pee and their blood and their poop um they stabbed me really hard i got this big bruise i've told you the bloods apparently that were normal i looked at them myself um they did a pr exam and i feel like they were pretty unprofessional there's like no cloth to cover me at all and like the, the curtains weren't drawn i didn't get a like I didn't get a gown or anything. They just told me to pull down my pants and turn towards the other side. I was like, what the fuck? This is so uncomfortable. And it was a male doctor as well. I was like, at least give me a female nurse or doctor to like do it. But thank God there was like a nurse there that was a chaperoning. Yeah, the doctor wasn't the best. Apparently they were an ED registrar, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they did anything for me and like, this just like leads me to have more distrust of the public health system, even though I work for them. I don't trust the health system. I feel like they are not helping people. Like they they literally only treat you when you're fucking dying, but you could have prevented that death. You know what I mean? Like them dying, like if you've just intervened a little bit earlier. So that's all they did for me. Bloods, PR exam and yeah gave me some panadol they tried to offer me some neurofin but like i was like no i don't want to take it because i'm fucking having a stomach bleed did you not notice (laughs) and then they were like 
after I question it, they're like, oh, because you're a pharmacist, you can choose not to take it. But, oh, yeah, well, why are you fucking giving, like, someone a stomach bleed, like, a neurofin? Like, so, so, like, before I went to the actual ED, like, the week before, I went to the virtual ED because one of my doctors at work was like, if you don't can't be bothered going to the actual ED, you can go to the virtual ED useless but anyway that virtual ed doctor who, who was working in their cushy home office was like stop taking that neurofin because you're bleeding and so i listened to his advice and then i go to the actual ed of the same hospital and then they were like here's some neurofin i was like why is this so contradictory like the same doctors in the same hospital are saying fucking different things Anyway, I'll make my own judgment. Like, I don't want to worsen my gastritis with neurofin. Um, so, yeah, I had to call in work. <laughs> so, uh, but I set an alarm um, at, like, 7 a.m. And I called my boss. I was like, sorry, I can't go into work. I'm in another hospital. Um, yeah, sounds awkward. But I have to wait till a reasonable hour of the day to, to call, even though I had been in the hospital since 5 a.m um so yeah that is my life my sad sad life so um I also was getting a headache throughout this because I think of the lack of sleep so the reason why I didn't want to go to ED is because I'm like oh, if I go to ED I'm probably gonna get a migraine from the lack of sleep so I'm trying to balance all of my chronic health conditions to make sure that one is not worse than the other so it's like oh do I go for my stomach pain but what if I get a migraine but then I was also justifying if I get a migraine and it's really bad at least I'm in the hospital and they can give me meds right no so they sent me home and I had the headache and I had to sleep the whole fucking day yesterday um to try to get better because apparently rest and um like my mom said, just eating food will help you get better. So I guess my eating like habits is screwed up. So every time I get sick, the headache or the stomach pain, I sleep for the whole day. So yes, I only had one meal. <laughs> um, and then today I snacked a lot at work. So I, I, I can't understand why I have gastritis because I sometimes have no food in my stomach and sometimes I'm eating too much. And yeah. Um, so I'm sorry for that, this podcast, which is complaining a lot, but yeah, I, I, um, I just want to say like, I, I was listening to another podcast and it's called Two Doting Dads, would really recommend for you guys to watch it. I mean, listen to it on any, um, podcast platforms. Um, so they are Australian based um, podcast about two dads who love their kids um, and they're both like sort of social media influencers and I, I've got to them through another podcast called Life Uncut so um, one of the guys on the podcast is the husband of um, one of the girls on the Life Uncut podcast anyway um, they did a recent episode on mental health um, and then one of the guys was t- uh, was talking about his own journey and, and and then he was just saying like sometimes I just wanted to escape it all I just wanted to run away from everything and I, that really like resonated with me like I was just thinking about my own mental health it's gone to shit with all my health problems with my gastritis with my headaches um the the stress of money and people asking me to go out but I can't, I can't like I just don't have any money in my budget to go I haven't even got money to service my car or time so um so yeah I was just thinking about it I really really want to escape my life 
with the mortgage, with my job, with the stress on the job. I just, I just really want to escape it too. He wanted to escape his wife and kids. I want to escape from my job and like, I don't know, like, I don't have any annual leave until next year, March. So it's a really long time away. But yeah, I just really, really want to escape. And I was just thinking like today, like if I get my new mortgage approved, I could literally quit my job, right? Because I don't need to show those pay slips anymore. Like I could give my four weeks notice. And it gave me that little bit of excitement, a little bit of escapism. And I'm like, I mean, like I I was like, oh, it's convincing myself. I was like, oh, I did put like 30 grand extra into my mortgage and if I took that out and then use that to repay the loan like I could probably last I don't know a year or two where I could not work maybe um but yeah I just really want to do it but I don't think I would be able to do it because I think like if I take it out then the mortgage repayments probably go higher so um yeah cash 22 so yeah I guess that's adulting isn't it for you like, it's always a balancing out between your mental health, your work. And then, like, what is it all for? Like, am I striving to be a grade three pharmacist instead of a grade two? Is that why I'm trying to, you know, do all this? Or am I just doing it because people tell me to? Like, can I say no? Like, I just feel like nobody ever asks you anymore. Like, you're just expected to do it. Expected to do overtime. Expected to do this and that and not get paid for it. And I just don't understand and I don't get it and I probably should join the union but with what money I feel like every dollar stressing me out ah. anyway I'm gonna leave it there for now I hope you guys all had a great week um if you've got time go check out the two doting dads podcast it is usually um quite funny but um the most recent episode about mental health was really really good and I feel like they really spoke from the heart and I really, really resonated with, you know, their definition of how they felt when they, uh, how they defined their depression and how, like, maybe they didn't want to end their life, but they wanted to escape it. And that just totally, totally resonated with me. I hope next week will be a better podcast because, um, yeah, I don't know if it'll be, but yeah, let's hope next week's a better one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of How to Adult with Joy. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and give us a five-star review. Thank you.